Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentically Us, the podcast where we talk about what it means to be authentically us everywhere we go. Today, we have a very special guest, the one and only, my main man, Conroy Smith. What's going on, bro? Tony Bo, what's up with him? Uh, you know, not much, man. I, I'm excited that you on the hot seat today. Yeah, it's a little weird to be on this side of the the interview, but um, I'm excited. I'm excited. And before we jump into this interview, I just want to, you know, give a shout out to our our followers, our listeners. Thank you. Um, oh yeah. Now share this and give us a rating. Also, if you are sharing this, if you're listening to this. Um, tag us and let us know. Um, we put our Instagrams in the show notes just so we know who's listening. We can interact with you guys. So give us a rating, share it, you know, tell people about us because uh, this is this is fun for us and hopefully it's fun for you. Yeah. Anyway, y'all y'all in for it. So you know, let's get it. Han Roy the Smith, what's going on, man? <laughs> <laughs> Tony the Morton, what's happening? Hey, thanks for uh switching it up on on your, on them today. I'm so glad that we get to do this. Oh yeah, man. I I'm excited for it. I get to talk about your many talents, sports, music, and everything in between. So uh let's dive in. What do you enjoy about sports? Yeah, um, Sports for me initially were just a way out, you know, growing up in situations or similar situations that uh, you and I grew up in. It it was a way out for me. It was a way for me to get out of the house. It was an escape where I could focus on things that weren't my family or my thoughts or the relationships I was in. It was just, it was fun. Um, so, so sports kind of shaped a lot of the trajectory of my life, especially from, from a young age and from a young age, when I knew I was, I was fast or I knew I was good at a sport, it was, it was cool to get recognition, cool to get, um, attention that way. So it was like, oh, wow. Like somebody acknowledged me being good at, at running or somebody acknowledged me being good at at football. So sports were like a huge part of my life. I mean, they still are. So it's just, it's, I just enjoy the, the escape from reality. I enjoy the competition. I enjoy the brotherhood you, you, you create with, with teammates. Um, even when I was in college, I enjoyed just the family we created with the men and women's team. Um, and everything I essentially do now, like with work, with, with music, with sports, it's like it's still a family atmosphere. And that's what I, I just truly love about, about sports. Yeah, so even in uh, you talking there, I heard two things. It, it sounds like sports was a safe haven for you. And... um the the whole recognition piece could you uh talk about why 
why was it so important that you were getting recognized? Yeah, so I think it was important because growing up, I was the only boy in my family. So I would get, you know, recognized for being that or the youngest at the time. Um, But when I started to get attention for being good, like so much of my life, um, like my my uh, biological grandma, she would be rude to me a lot of my life, um, mainly just because of like things that were out of my control with with my with my father's situation. So I would get yelled at or I, I felt like I was always doing something wrong growing up, whether that was with my mom or my sisters or my grandma. So then once I got recognized for being good at something that I could control, I was like, whoa, that was, that was cool. And then kept getting recognition and kept seeking that recognition and and approval, Um, especially at a young age, it was almost like addicting where I was like, oh, okay, well, I can get better at this and then get more recognition. And then once I get that recognition, it was like, so satisfying. And I think that's why it was a safe haven. Like, like you said, it was a safe place for me because yes, tough love happens in sports, but it's like, okay, Conroy, you did this. I'm like, all right, I know how to do that. I'll fix it. So next time I'll be better. Yeah. So it, it also sounds like that could be exhausting though, because I'm hearing you talk about you first started doing sports as a way to earn approval. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about when was the shift from I'm playing sports because I'm good and I get approval to now, or do you just simply play for the love of the sport? That's a good question. That's a good observation too. Um, when did the shift happen? So uh, I would say the shift happened maybe in 10th grade. I remember specifically, I tore my meniscus in my knee in ninth grade. So I got to the point where I couldn't run track and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do football. So there, during that spring uh, season, I was just rehabbing and just kind of hanging out and I wasn't getting an approval. I was, I wasn't getting any recognition. And I just got to the point where it was like, no, I actually love running. I actually love the competition. And that switched for me because you're right. It it was exhausting. And I'm not saying that like once that moment happened, I never sought approval again. Cause I would say another time that happened was I was in college where um, I would get so super focused in high school, like on game day or track meet day where like, don't talk to me. Like if anybody ruined my day, like said anything sideways, it was like, I was like, horrible i feel bad for all the girlfriends i used to i dated in high school and college (laughs) because they got the brunt of it and then in in, in college i was just like i have so many track meets now that this is i can't sustain this for four years just to be super rude and locked in and uh 
focused that I can't talk to anybody. So then I was like, how about you just have fun? <laughs> so I started having fun and I started to run fast. And I was like, that's what it is. Have yeah. fun. Cause, cause you actually love this sport. You love competing. You love people. So have fun. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, man, that's good. So, so what is your pre-game ritual now? Um, for those of you that don't know that are listening, this man just from time to time plays rugby and he's really <laughs> good. So what's your game day ritual like? Oh man, it has changed. I could tell you that now that I'm not as young as I used to be and my, my body doesn't respond like it used to be. I can't do the things that I used to do, which which is a good thing because now instead of like looking back and be like, Oh, I used to be able to do that. It's like, sure. I was really good at things then, but now I'm really good at things now that I wasn't then it just looks different. Right. So I would say my pregame ritual, um, it's kind of like a day because with rugby, it's like an all day event. Right. So I wake up always like, you know, listen or get into the word, um, drink water. Like I take a big glass of water every, or a lot of gallons of water, like every, not gallons, I guess. I don't know how much I drink. I drink some water. I drink a lot of water. Um, now I've actually been eating. I usually, I used to not eat on game days, but I realized that my body needs it. Right. And like I said, there's yeah. things that my body does now that they didn't do before. Um, and then I just kind of like, music is is such an important role when it comes to sports and i would say for me with rugby like i've had to change my music it could be four when i first started you know shifting from football it was very much very like high energy like run through a wall type of music and then yeah. i realized you can't sustain that so now i kind of get to the place where i'm calm so i listen to a lot of worship music actually i listen to worship music um, and then I'll probably switch to hip hop or, you know, Christian hip hop right before we go out. Um, but a lot of it is just, you know, kicking it with the guys and like creating that atmosphere, that family atmosphere, as opposed to us being super laser focused. And that's another thing I would say, um, Tony, recently, I would say that I had to really come to grips with the fact that I need to continue to have fun in this yes, I pop in with rugby here and there, but like this year I had goals and I have goals and I'm focused. And I got to the point where I was seeking recognition again, or I was seeking um, like approval or like proving that I still got it. And then one time that my coach, you know, a bunch of us were kind of in that same boat. He was like, Hey, are you guys having fun? And I was like, Whoa, I'm not because I was super focused on the mission or the task at hand. So I've been trying to like get to a point where like, Hey guys, let's, let's joke around. Let's have fun. Like I tell jokes like during the warm up and, and stuff, because this is fun. And like, if we lose, I still get to, you know, go to work the next day. I still get to, yeah. you know, do podcasts. I still get to do music. It's not the end of the world. And that's yeah. what I had to like really realize that, 
sports is an escape. It's fun, but it's not the end all be all, you know? Yeah, for sure. Sounds like you need Irving on the sidelines. <laughs> you know what? He wouldn't be bad. I, I, I tell you, I still don't like when people aren't focused on the sideline. Yeah. You know, no, so. That's fair. Yeah. But, it, but I would say, honestly, to kind of touch on that first question you asked, I would say sports have been like a roller coaster for me. Because, you know, I high school, you know, I did three sports. College, I do track. After after college, I do rugby. And I go straight to a high level. I go straight to the U.S. And after I was done with the U.S., I had to really check my mental health. And I talk a lot. Of, we talk a lot about that because as an athlete, you have to take your your mind, your psyche to a certain level to get through certain workouts, to get through certain uh, times or, or circumstances. And I had to really just check myself and be like, are you good? Also like you are still worth it and you are still whole. Even if you never play a sport again. Yeah. You know, this is not to find me. And that was that was hard. I think a lot of athletes run into that. Yeah, I, absolutely. You know, like I when I'm working with college students that are athletes as well, and I try to ask them, what would you be without this sport? It, a lot of them look at me like deer in headlights of like, I, I don't know. This is all I am. This is what I've worked so long for. Yeah. So talk to us about how you got over that athletic identity, so to speak. Yeah. um, I would say there were phases. And there were phases for sure. Because in high school, the goal is to go to college, play football, go to NFL. And to be honest, there's a small percentage of people who do that. Now, could I have done that? Maybe, but I got to the point where I didn't want to play football anymore, right? So then I go and do track. Now, track is a sport that does not have a lot of money in it, right? So even even that, like I put my identity in it because what I love about track is I can control it. If I work hard at practice, I'm, I can get results. I don't have to worry about anybody else. Like if I'm dogging it at practice, It's going to show at the meet. Um, And then when I switched to rugby, I still had this identity that, like, I'm I'm a track athlete. I just do rugby, you know. And, you know, I own that. Like, I'm going to be the fastest person on the the field. I'm going to do this, this, that, and third. Um, But, like, after rugby or after track, I was like, I want to try to make the Olympics. Well, I'm not fast enough yet. Um, so I'm like, okay, let's do rugby. Let's try to make your lips with rugby. And then I didn't make it. Um, and it hurt because, you know, I put a lot of focus. I put a lot of yep. energy, time, uh, money. Uh, I missed birthdays to, to, to train for, for the Olympics. and I didn't make it. And then I had, I came to this conclusion that regardless if I'm an Olympian or not, regardless if I'm a professional athlete or not, um, I'm still a child of God and 
that doesn't fade. Mm. How can I still bring more people to know the love of Jesus, whether or not I do a sport? Yeah. So I kind of took that to, to heart in when I'm at work or when I'm at church or when I'm on the rugby field, I try to create spaces for people to come to know Jesus or just to have conversations about Jesus and, and God and just to be comfortable. Um, so I would say it does take time. Cause you know, some people like that is their way out. Your way out is sports. Your way out yeah. is the football field is yep. track, you know, and I get it. I get it. But sports aren't forever. Yeah. And I had to come to that conclusion as well. So you have to you have to make a pivot and realize that, like, there's more to life. So any athlete who may be struggling, I would say, like. Find your purpose. What is your what is your purpose? What is your why? Yes, you might need this sport to get out of the hood. You might need this sport to fend for your family. Yeah. But like. You need a plan B, you know, plan C. And it's OK if your your sport doesn't work out. Yeah. And, and they can't be the sole rescuer of their family, their hood, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. Yeah, that that's good. Um, so you talked about music and, and how you love music. Uh, what do you do at your church? So I am currently the worship director at Rolando Church here in San Diego. Um, so, you know, I lead worship every Sunday in, Sunday out with friends, with with some of my family here in San Diego. It's a it's a really good time. And right now we're just developing and building a team. Um, and then I do a bunch of logistical stuff too, logistical stuff too, because administration is one of my like gifts i'm actually good at it and i know for some people it drains them but administration is like you know one of the things i actually enjoy so yeah that's what i do um at the church with music right now that's great we all need someone to do that admin and let me tell you it's not me (laughs) um what's it feel like when you're leading worship at your church Um, I would say just in general, when it, when it, when I'm leading worship, I always try to create spaces where I am setting the table for people to have an encounter with the Lord, because when I'm worshiping, that's what I'm doing. I'm not trying to perform. I'm not trying to, um, you know, hit the best lick or sing the best run. And that could be down to my, that could be you know, to my fault, but I'm trying to create a space, a worship atmosphere where everybody feels comfortable to worship in their own way. Because I know when I'm leading worship, that's what I'm doing. Whether I'm jumping up and down, whether I'm, you know, putting my hands up or I'm crying or whatever it is, like, I like real authentic worship. And that's the, literally the only way I know how to, to worship. Yeah. Um, so what does it mean for you to be authentically you uh in sports in music in um in your life 
Wow. Um, what does it mean to be authentic for me? So we talked about in an earlier podcast about, you know, growing up where we grew up, it's very easy to be chameleons and to just fit in where we can get in. And I think most black people can relate to that story, especially if you yeah. predominantly around white people of being a chameleon. So you just kind of like fit in where you can, you, you, you start to adjust and adapt and be like, okay, well, I'm not going to be too black or I don't want to sound too white or all these things. I would say it came to a point for me and this is going to have to do with sports or ministry. It came to a point with me where it's like, I'm going to do what I actually want to do. And what it means to be authentically me is just that, you know, like, my grandfather was in the military and he taught me a lot of traits. He taught me a lot of lessons. And one of the main thing he taught me was consistency. I would say what it means to be authentically me is to be consistent in every aspect of my life at church, at work, at the gym, on the rugby pitch, on our podcast. Like I don't, I'm not trying to switch up. Like I want people who see me, at the gas station, see the same guy who's worshiping on Sunday, also be the same guy who's tackling people on the pitch on a Saturday. And they're like, oh, wow, he's like consistent. Like yeah. he's not one way this time and then talks another way this time. Like I, I come in contact with so many people that way. I've been that too long in my life. And that's what I think it means to be authentically me is to be consistent in every area. That. That's really good. What what would you say is a roadblock to you being authentically you? Mm. I would say the roadblock is comparison. You know, I, I know some people like look at me and they're like, oh, he's super confident or you know, he, he must not struggle with things, but comparison definitely creeps in especially when I feel like I'm inadequate or I'm like, I know I'm not the best fill in the blank, you know, or whether I'm like in a worship setting, I know I'm not the best musician or I'm not the best singer here. And I start comparing myself and then try to be something I'm not actually funny story. This was in a ninth grade. I went to this conference in Kentucky and it was for my church. And this is when I actually had my first encounter with the Lord. But there, there was a bunch of people from the South. So they had these accents, right? And I was like, oh, man, these accents are cool. And I also saw the girls flocking to these guys with the accent. Now, I don't know if it was from their accents or just who they were. So as soon as I came back to our small town in Chambersburg, I started trying to talk with this accent. Why? How'd Why, Tony? Go for you? It, huh? it didn't go well. Like trying to text with, <laughs> how do you text with the, with the accent? I was doing that. T9 word and everything. So I would say what is a roadblock is like, that is like, that's a funny moment now, but I still feel like I have that, that I guess it's imposter syndrome where I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. So let me act like this. Yeah. Or I don't know if I'm supposed to do this. So I saw this person do that. So let me do that. And I think that that creeps in from time to time um, until I like center myself Go back to the scripture, go back to the Lord, pray about it, and God confirms who I am. Um, 
And then when I look back, I'm like, yeah, that was silly. Or and you can tell, like, it's very blatant. Another story. Um, I was doing Orange Theory, right? And I was a new coach, maybe a month in. And Orange Theory is group fitness, if you don't know what it is. Um, I coach here in San Diego. And one of our coaches, he did jokes. He did jokes at the beginning of class. He'll he'll tell a joke or a riddle. Sorry, he'll tell a riddle at the beginning of class. And then during class, he'll remind you of the riddle. And at the end of the class, he'll see if anybody got the answer. So I try to do that. However, I would forget it every time. I'd be in the lobby and I'd be like, all right. So there was four, three, uh, what was it again? Oh, (laughs) there was, there was four horsemen. Like that was happening. And then, you know, Tiff eventually came up to me and was just like, hey, so like, you probably shouldn't do that anymore. And then I was like, you know what? Yeah, because that's not me. You know, like I can really only be authentically me. And when I'm not that, people notice. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it comes to like what I'm hearing is you start to perform when you don't feel enough. And do you think that ties back to wanting to get that recognition because that makes you feel enough? Yeah, actually, I would probably say it it comes to it's more of a control thing, Um, which maybe could, you know, go back to recognition. Growing up, my family, everything was out of control and I couldn't control everything. You know, one day we'd be with my grandma one day we'd be in in our house and the next day we're walking on the side i remember vividly walking on the side of the road leaving i don't even know what situation we were in walking to some other situation with my sisters and my mom right and i just remember these moments and i'm like when i can control my life i'm going to control it Mm. and i think when the imposter syndrome sits sets in or i start comparing myself is when things are out of control and i'm like oh man, I don't think I'm in control. So let me start acting like, or let me start being like, or, oh, I heard this person say this on this podcast. I'm going to do this. And it's just like, that's not, that's not how life works. You're not always going to be in control. And I had to come to that conclusion that I'm not always going to be in control. So if I look crazy doing things because it's authentically me, then I'm just going to look crazy doing it, live and learn, move on. And then try it again next time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I find that when, when we do step out and we look crazy because we're being authentically who we are, we, we fear rejection or, um, mockery but what we're really met with is a sigh of release of relief because when we do that others feel the freedom to be crazy and authentically them but we often forget that and so it's hard to in those moments be authentically who we are 100%. I mean, there's times where, I mean, you and I both talked about it. It's like, ah, I don't want to do that because 
people are going to think this about me or I don't know if we should start this podcast because we don't know if anybody's going to listen. And it's just like what we're doing by not being who we authentically are, who God created us to be is we are limiting the blessing we could be to somebody and also um, limiting the blessing that people could be to us to help us learn, to help us grow. And I would say the older we get, the more I realize, like think about old people. They don't care. They, they say whatever they want. They do whatever they want and they just keep it pushing. Yeah. And I think the older I get, the more I realize that like, yes, I still care. I still care what people think. Right. But I also want to be me. And if it looks wrong to somebody else, that's on them. That's not on me. Yeah. And I think that's a hard thing, especially as a black man, especially as a, as an athlete, especially my rugby career is very short compared to some people I've played with. It's like, all I can do is be authentically me. I can't do some of the things that you do, but you also can't do some of the things that I do. And that's okay. Yeah. And that, and that's hard. That's hard to, to learn. Yeah. Especially when you're in the moment, like when, when we're not in the moment of, Oh snap, people are looking at me. Do I choose myself or do I choose some imposter right now? And often I know for me, I'm like, all right, how do I carry myself in a way that doesn't make me look fill in the blank? But you know, how do we collectively work on training our minds to really remember who we are is okay and who we are is not only okay, but a blessing to other people. Mm. You know, as you were saying that, I was thinking, um, do you think we, we, we hit the imposter syndrome or we, we try to be somebody that we're not like, we pull this other character in, in certain situations, because if that person is rejected, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't me anyway. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe for some people. Yeah. Uh, but I think that, you know, for me, I pull out the imposter because I think the imposter is going to give me uh, more clout with mm. whoever I'm with. And so when that doesn't work, I get even more devastated because I'm like, you didn't like that. But I know if I was really me, you wouldn't like that either. So oh, where do yeah. I go? Yeah. Um, and so that's what it's like for me. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's it's such a such a unique thing. And I, I just think it's because of, you know, how we grew up and how I grew up specifically. Um, but that's why I loved about sports is because it is what it is like. You can't fake it like you're either that guy or you're not. And it just happened to to, to be. It it just happened to be that like every situation I was putting I was in, like I was him. Like I was that guy. I was Timothy yeah. Neutron. 
I was him, Tony, until I got to the U.S., where it was the first time where I was not the best one there, and it was clear. <laughs> and that was so humbling day in yeah. and day out to go to practice and be like on the bottom half. No, not even bottom half, bottom third of like the team. And I'm like, what? I've never been in a situation where I'm not one, two or three. Yeah. So, so how did, how did you navigate that? Like, Cause, because I just wonder what you were thinking about your high school days of like being being that guy, people talking about you like you were that guy to then be like, am I really? <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was a lot of those questions. Like, literally, I... I picked up a sport I've never done before. This is now I think about it, this is very arrogant. Picked up a sport I never done before 2015 and said, Hey, I'm gonna try to be make the Olympics in 2016 in this sport I've never done before. And it's I don't actually I don't think it was arrogant at the time. I just thought I was confident in my athletic abilities, which yeah. I was, and it got me to yeah. the US, right? And then I get there and I'm like so far behind because of I've only been playing rug, playing rugby at a year and a half at the time. Yeah. And it was tough because I was just playing catch up like physically, um, mentally. I it was it was really hard. Um, I didn't have a community out here yet. Um, trying to find a church, trying to find, you know, people to, to talk to trying to balance a relationship. It was hard. I played a lot of video games to get my mind off of it. Took a lot of, you know, walks. Yeah. And it was also different. I would say this, Tony, I went from an individual sport back to a team sport. Oh yeah. So an individual sport, I can control a lot of things. If I mess up, it's in, I can fix that. It's in my head. A lot of my training was, you know, rehab and stuff was on my own with rugby. You're like with a team all the time. I'm with guys all the time. I was not used to that. So having the process in the midst of a team in the midst of coaches, it was weird. It was hard. Um, And I don't think I really processed things fully until I was out of the the U S system and could really think about my experience there. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yeah, I would I would say that's naive, not arrogance. Yeah. Um so wanna kinda ask one question before we transition. But the family name Smith. Commerce Smith, not Will Smith's name. Don't get that twisted. Um same. It's the same same. <laughs> um what is something you hope to change about your name as you uh, go about life? Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I've, I've thought about changing my last name multiple times in my life um, because um, 
I am not named after my biological dad. I'm named after somebody who they thought was my dad. So I, I've always thought about changing my my last name. Um, but the more and more I I mature, conversations that you and I have had about setting up the next generation, setting setting up our family, setting setting the bar so high that that is now our our kids' floor. It's like it doesn't matter what happened before me. Because I'm going to try to build generational wealth. I'm going to try to raise kids who, who are strong and confident and love Jesus. It's like I can build that now. So the name, the Smith last name can be a whole different meaning these next 20, 30, 50, 100 years yeah. from the decisions, um, you know, I make, you make, you know, we make now. And it's like. I want to change that. I want, I want the Smith name to be a whole new thing and whatever that looks like, whether I have athletes, whether I have musicians, whether I have doctors, it's like the Smiths are going to be successful in in whatever we do. And the adultery that has happened in the past, the, the hate, the, the abuse, the, the, stealing the all these things in the past it's like that was in the past yeah and that doesn't have to be my future and i love that we can control that and i can control that because i know jesus and honestly i would say if i didn't know jesus i'd be right where my my family my cousins you know are a lot of my cousins in jail or went to jail with babies and stuff and yeah i have it was like I just made one decision better, you know, and by the grace of God, I am who I am today. And yeah, I am named who I am for a reason. Yeah. So why not live it to the fullest, make it whatever God wants it to be, and then carry that legacy on. Yeah. No, that's good. Cause I've actually, I don't think I've told this to, anyone honestly i've thought about like changing my name entirely because i'm a junior and so i i just i feel some shame Mm. being named after my dad when i don't want to be attached to him like that but like you said how can i take that name and go places well, my dad never could. Yeah, and I'm a junior too. I don't know if you ever knew that, um, but I just don't. I don't put it on legal documents. But yeah, I think. And you now, now you have a son, right? You have a family, yeah. so it's it's a little bit different. But I, I I encourage you too to like. You can control the you can control the future. Our past yeah. is our past. Amen. That's what we go to therapy for. That's what we, <laughs> you know, right. have podcasts for. Like we'll deal with that. Like we're not skipping over it. Just so you yeah. guys are clear, we're not skipping over it. No. Um, but we're just focusing on what we can control. And we can control our future. We can control what's happening today. We can control how we love people, how we treat people, and that's and that's what I'm gonna control. Yeah, man. Well, this is so good, but the next segment, rapid fire. 
right, so you know how this goes. First yeah, thing that comes to mind, Don Pasco, <laughs> don't collect $200. All right, let's get this. So, what do you hope is is said at your eulogy? And do Sheesh. you live that way? Sheesh, Tony. What in the world? Um, That was... What do I hope is said at my eulogy? I hope it is funny and fun and people laugh. Um, I hope people say he made me feel seen. He made me feel loved. He was, he, he made me laugh. And that we're going to remember him as such, you know, and, and to continue that on, you know, I don't want them to say, Oh, he was an athlete. He was a Olympian. He, 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 he did music. No, like, how did I make you feel? And that, and that's kind of what mm. I think I would want this said. Yeah, that's good. All right, this one's a lot lighter. <laughs> You're shipwrecked on an island for one week. What, what are three things you're taking with you? What? Oh, my goodness. Tony, how? How was that much better? Um, shipwrecked on an island. It's for, only for a week. For a week. Uh, gosh. I need shelter, so I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to bring a tent. Um I'm sure there's food there, so I'll be good. Uh, how about So the ship has wrecked. Sheesh. So that's a traumatic experience. Um, I'm gonna bring Wi-Fi and my cell phone. How about that? That way I can contact people. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um What is something that you've always wanted to do but haven't gotten around to doing it? Oh, man. What is something? Okay, I have two things. This one, this first one is just like a superpower I wish I had. Um, I wish I could look at people and see like meters above them. Like, oh, man, I wonder if Tony's mad. And I could see your mad meter or I'd be like, oh, man, I wonder if Tony's hungry. Let's see, like his hungry scale. Oh, OK, he's not that hungry. So we're good. That's one superpower I wish I had. Um, one thing I wish I I want to. I want to be able to travel. So I've traveled, but I have a vacation. So I, I guess I want to be able to vacation. I haven't been able to like vacation because. I'm always doing something like a sport or, you know, family vacation, which is not a vacation for those of you who know, if you know, you know, that. <laughs> um, I want to be able to like vacation financially free. I want to be able to vacation with friends, with, with family and just like, just do it and not have to think about money. Where's your ideal vacationing spot? Ideal off yeah. the top, off the top, Barbados, Barbados, the, yeah, okay, 
but I want to go to like the Maldives. I want to go to Africa. I want to, there's so many places I want to go. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, yo, thanks so much, uh, for this. Um, yeah, we'll uh, catch you later. And- Whoa, Tony, you almost forgot. Friendship quiz, brother. I was Friend- getting there, right? Ship quiz. You already All know right. what time it is. Let's go. <laughs> um, I'm ready. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I just want, I just don't want you to. I just want people to know how good of friends we are. So I got a question for you. You've been asking me questions. My question's for you. All right. Tony. If I had to choose a dessert and I'm like, oh, man, I really want dessert. Am I choosing? I'm going to give you three options. Am I choosing donuts, ice cream, or cookies? Ice cream all day. Is that your final answer? Yes, it is. You were incorrect, sir. What? I'm choosing cookies. Cookies. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. You would choose cookies to go in your ice cream. You're not wrong. To be, it. <laughs> to be real, I, I you're not wrong. I usually have cookies and I put ice cream in the middle. So you're not wrong there. Or you do donuts and ice cream in the middle. Like oh, the we did do that. We went to. Yeah. yeah, you're right. We did do that. Yeah. That is fire. So that was a trick friendship quiz, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> oh man. Well, Tony, thanks for thanks for interviewing me. Yeah, of course, man. Um yeah, take care. Have a good night. Peace. Peace. Yo, Roy, thanks so much for this time. It's been just awesome to sit with you, get to know more of your story, more of who you are. Um, it, it was crazy to me to just, uh, realize, um, that you thought a lot often about changing your name and the reasoning behind that and, you know, I, I think that's cool and honestly something that I think could be its own episode. So thanks so much, man. Yeah. No, thank you. I'm so glad we got to switch it up, switch it up today. Um, you know, we're usually the ones interviewing people, but it's cool to let, let the, let the listeners learn a little bit about us. Um, and to get to know us a little bit more. So not just listening to two, magnificent voices on on this podcast so thank you tony thanks for the opportunity guys thank you so much for listening um this was another great episode of authentically us the podcast what it means to be authentic in everything that we do everything that you do everything that they do and the mama and them do so hey uh share this before you log off share this uh tell somebody about this um, and then tune in. We got a lot of episodes coming. Make sure you you tell somebody about this because you don't want to miss it. We post. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot to tell you guys. We post every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every, every Tuesday. Week. So we need to start letting y'all know every Tuesday. So tune in. 
Until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace out. Peace.